Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. This is what God is saying, I believe. You want to hear me speak? That's how I speak. I speak in a still, small voice. You want to hear me speak? You want to have ears to hear? You need to turn the volume down. You need to be quiet and be still, and then you will hear what I have to say. Don't you want to see what God wants to show you? And don't you want to hear what God wants to say to you? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Due to the ever-increasing hustle and bustle nature of our society, it can be easy for us as believers to get caught up in the current. As Pastor J.D. will teach you in his message today, this is one of the biggest hindrances in our walk. In his study, you'll learn the importance of taking the time to hear the voice of the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 20, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If you were buying one pound of, let's just say, flour or sugar, okay, they would take a weight that said one pound on it, they'd put it on this side of the scale, then they would take the flour or the sugar and they would put it on this side of the scale. So how, how did you know that you were buying a pound? Because it evened up with the weight. Well, what if that one pound weight isn't really one pound? What if it's like three-fourths of a pound, but you think it's a pound, but it's a differing weight. It's not a true one pound weight. Here's the application modern day. You go to fill up your car with gas, right? And you know that there used to be a time when the gallon gauge, you know, would go a little bit faster in comparison to the dollar. You know, those numbers, how they, and now it's like, you know, the, the dollars, and, and here's the gallons barely moving because of the price of gas. Now what if you go to a gas station, and you know, you're, you're pumping the gas, and it's, let's just even it up, three dollars a gallon. How do you know that measurement on that gas pump is really one gallon? What if it's like three quarters of a gallon? That's a differing weight. That is a diverse measure, and that is an abomination to the Lord. Verse 11, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. I think this is speaking to how innate within even a child there's this knowledge of right and wrong good and evil. Think of it this way. Have you ever wondered why it is that you don't have to teach your kids to lie? No, you have to teach them how to tell the truth. They know. If they're trying, we used to teach our kids when they were young, if you're hiding it, it's wrong. Otherwise, why would you hide it? I think about Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they hid themselves and they covered. And then God calls out, where, where are you, Adam? It's not like God didn't know where they were. They were hiding from God, and they were covering themselves, get this, with fig leaves. 
because they were covering their nakedness, because now their eyes were open and they had known now the knowledge of and difference between good and evil, because they had eaten from that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now their eyes were open, and they were covering themselves in fig leaves. I heard one Bible teacher say that would have been the itchiest thing they could have ever (laughs) put to cover themselves, fig leaves. So what does God do? He takes a lamb. This is the first type of a sacrifice of, and blood is shed for the covering of sin. He takes a lamb, the lamb is slain, and then he covers them with the lamb. That is a picture of, and really a prophecy pointing to the Lamb of God, the person of Jesus Christ, who would pay for the sins of mankind. But even a child knows what's right and what's wrong. Verse 12, this is an interesting proverb. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Okay, what does that mean? Well, think of it this way. Interesting. We have two ears and we have two eyes. But just because I have eyes doesn't mean I can see, and just because I have ears doesn't mean I can really hear. I think about the seven letters of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Let he who hath an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In other words, it's not a foregone conclusion. Just because you have an ear doesn't mean you're going to hear. Talking about child and childhood growing up, There was a certain point when I completely tuned out my mom. I mean, she would hit a certain pitch with her thick accent, you know, and all I heard was, I was was hearing, but I wasn't hearing. I wasn't listening. And you know how it is when sometimes when somebody's talking to you and you're not really hearing, I mean, you're, you're hearing, but you're not really hearing. I think about in the Old Testament. You'll find replete throughout the Old Testament where God will say, Hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Hear, O Israel, see, behold. Just because I have eyes doesn't mean I can necessarily see. This is why sometimes I think it's incumbent upon me when we're beginning a Bible study or a teaching, or even a prophecy update for that matter, to pray and ask God to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it it is that He wants to show us and speak to us. When I'm up here, as is my privilege to be, as the pastor of this amazing church, and I'm speaking, you're not necessarily hearing God speak to you through His Word. I'm just the mouthpiece. (laughs) We're all different parts of the body of Christ. Some of you are wonderful hands and, you know, wonderful parts of the body, all different parts. Heart, the heart, big hearts. I'm convinced that as a part of the body of Christ, I am the mouth. God has given me a very big mouth. I'm the mouth and the body of Christ. I'm just a mouthpiece. 
I'm just the vessel, I'm just the messenger, and God speaks through me to you, and so it's incumbent on you to have ears to hear what it is that the Lord is speaking to you. And you know what, the pressure's off of me, I'm putting it on you, on, on me too, because I'm a hearer of God's Word. Again, we're going to talk about this in a moment, and it, the onus is on me to not only be a hearer, but a doer. Have ears to hear, let the, those who have ears hear. Have you ever noticed this, that, and this is, this might be a little bit dorky, but oh well. Have you ever noticed that God did not deem it necessary to give us ear lids? We have eyelids, we don't have ear lids. Hmm, I wonder why. In other words, our ears are always hearing. They're always open. They're never shut. But yet we're told metaphorically that their ears were shut to the voice of God. You know, sometimes it's a hearing and knowing and identifying the shepherd's voice. For those of you who know how it is with shepherds and sheep, it's very interesting that sheep tune their ears to their shepherd's voice. So if a foreign voice comes in to that area, those sheep will not recognize that voice. They recognize their shepherd's voice. I had a teacher in high school, his name was Mr. Bowman. In fact, I had a chance to tell him at one of my high school reunions a number of years ago that I use him often and frequently in my sermon illustrations. He was quite flattered. And here's why. He had uh, monotone. You know what I mean by monotone? They, they, don't, they don't have, uh, you know, voice uh, modulation. They just speak in one tone, and they just speak sometimes very softly. And this teacher just spoke. It was almost like it was deliberate. He, he would actually talk like this. And so here's, you know, the class, and you know, here's, here's the teacher. I'll never forget my first class with this teacher, with Mr. Bowman. He walks, I thought it was a joke. Of course, I thought everything was a joke when, that, when I was at that age. But I walk into his class, and I thought, this is, oh, this is, this is funny. So, he, so he, he says, okay, everybody, and we're all like, you know, loud, noisy. Aah! And he says, okay, I'd like for you all to sit down now. He never raised his voice. And of course, to me, this was very foreign. <laughs> so I, being the mouth that I am, I raised my voice. I'm like, Mr. Bowman, speak up. We can't hear you. And he looks at me, and he says to me, no, this is how I speak. You need to be quiet so you can hear me. That's why I use him in all of these illustrations. It's a perfect illustration. It's like God saying, no, I'm not going to speak up. This is how I speak. You know how it is that sometimes you can get people's attention more when you whisper? Remember that commercial? This is many years ago, probably in the 70s, maybe even the 60s. It was a shampoo commercial, and it started like this. It is beautiful woman, beautiful, soft voice. And she comes on the TV. If you want to get somebody's attention, whisper. You're like, what? What? 
You know, when somebody's yelling at you, you have this like filter. You don't need ear lids because you'll make your own ear lid. You just tune them out. Blah, 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 blah. But when somebody says, hey, I want to tell you something. What? You got my attention. This is what God is saying, I believe. You want to hear me speak? That's how I speak. I speak in a still, small voice. You want to hear me speak? You want to have ears to hear? You need to turn the volume down. You need to be quiet and be still, and then you will hear what I have to say. Don't you want to see what God wants to show you? And don't you want to hear what God wants to say to you? The Lord has made both the ears and the eyes. So verse 13, do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Now, I have to confess, I love to sleep. Don't you? I love a good night's sleep. I mean, I, you know, it's, when you sleep, you're, you're not thinking about anything. And when you wake up, then you're thinking about it again. Or if you wake up in the middle of the night and you start thinking about it and you can't go back to sleep, but that's another topic for another time. But I just, it's, but don't love sleep too much. Because then here's what's going to happen. Then you're going to love sleep too much. You're going to sleep in and you will come to poverty. You need to wake up and you need to get to work and you will be satisfied with bread. Verse 14, been looking forward to this one. You know, I've always referred to the book of Proverbs as the best book on business ever written in the history of mankind, and this is true. Listen to verse 14. (laughs) It is good for nothing, cries the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasts. So back in the day, as we say, when I was in business and I was in the automobile business and I would buy wholesale and supply dealers with inventory for them to retail. And I, I just that whole negotiating, you think the negotiating at the retail level is brutal? The wholesale level is even more so. And so here I'm the wholesale buyer negotiating the price of the, this car that I'm buying for the retail dealer. And I'm looking at the guy going, you're killing me, man. You're, you're on what planet are you living on? What, this price is, and I mean, I'm just, it's, it's brutal, it's abusive. And then finally you get the price down and then you take it to the dealer. You go, man, I made a great buy on this one. The year was 1994. This is what I love about God's Word. It is so honest. It is so true. And you know that God is true because only God knows this about me and you. When you read the Word of God, it becomes abundantly clear (laughs) that this is the Word of God because only God could know this. Only God could know this. So the year was 1994. My wife and I, this is BC, not before Christ, before children when we actually would, you know, travel. And we did travel. And we went to Israel in 1994. And we're in Jerusalem, and we're in the old city of Jerusalem. Much has changed since then, but so we're in the old city of Jerusalem, and we're in the Arab quarter. These are my people. You want to negotiate 
negotiate with the Jew and the Arab. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we're in the Arab quarter, and my wife and our friends notice these camel leather sandals, and they're really nice, actually good quality. And so my wife and our friend, they wanted these sandals. So they said, okay, here, why don't you negotiate in Arabic for these, you know, sandals. And the price at the time, this is 1994, U.S. dollars, was $25 for each pair. So a total of $50. I mean, we're going back and forth. You have to understand, in the Arab culture, if you don't negotiate, they lose respect for you. I mean, it, it's an honor thing. It's a respect thing. So we're going at it. I mean, we're screaming at each other in Arabic. And pretty soon there, a crowd is gathering. I'm looking at this guy. I'm going, shame on you. How dare you? $50 for both? I will give you $20 for both. And I mean in the Arabic language is one of those languages that, I mean, it's just a rough language to begin with. I mean, you could say to somebody in Arabic, I love you, and it sounds like you're cursing him. In French, you tell, you, you curse somebody, it's, it sounds so sweet. Voulez-vous avoir? You're like, oh, thank you so much. What did you say? In Arabic, I mean, here's the greeting in Arabic. Marhaba. Ho. Oh. I mean, that, that, that's, that's welcome. Greetings in Arabic. I mean, it's just, ha, 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 you're spitting on them. I remember asking my mom and dad when I was growing up, why are you and dad always fighting all the time? She says, oh no, Habibi, this is just how we talk. Arabic is just one of those languages. I think German is like that too. German's a rough language, right in the spot. Anyway, so imagine you're screaming at each other in Arabic. It was really quite dramatic. And so finally I just said to him, I said, this is my final price. I don't want your sandals. You take them. This, you are a criminal and I will leave and I will go to a different store. <laughs> and oh man, that was, so I will give you $25 for both. That's half the price that he was asking for the sandals. And I, and I actually gave them back to him. I'm like, you know, listen, forget it. I don't, I don't want them that bad. My wife's going, no, I want them that bad. I said, shh, get out of here. Don't tell them that. So finally he throws them back at me. He takes the 20 and the 5 and rips it out of my hand, throws me the sandals, and he looks to my wife. Now you have to understand the Arab culture, this is like the ultimate diss. He, he says to my wife, your husband is a hard man. If I were married to him, I would kill myself. I would slit my throat from one side to the other. And with that we walked out. And here I am somewhat, 26 years later, still boasting about that goodbye that I made. I'm like, this is no good, this is no good. And then here I am in the year 2020 boasting about what a great price I got. This is so true. I love this proverb. Verse 15, I feel a lot better. I hope you do too. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. I love these proverbs that have this contrast between having wealth, gold, multitude of rubies, and then comparing it to the lips of knowledge. 
In other words, the wisdom is that you can have all of this wealth, you can have all of this gold, you can have all of these rubies, but it is more valuable to have knowledge. It is a precious jewel in comparison. Verse 16, take the garment of one who is surety for a stranger, and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. This is verse 17 and verse 16 go together. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. So, you know, you've heard that expression, forbidden fruit tastes better. Well, it might taste better initially, but eventually it will be very bitter. I've heard it said this way again, this is another principle within business, just wisdom from the Word of God, from the book of Proverbs. The bitterness of poor quality lingers on long after the sweetness of a low price. You know, just because something is price low does not mean it's the best value. Sometimes I think we do err greatly when we step over a dollar to pick up a nickel thinking, oh, this is a really good price. Well, you get what you pay for. You've heard that expression. It's the quality. You're looking for the value of that. You might think you kind of got away with something, but the reality is it's all in the value. Verse 18, plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel, wage war. This is again a recurring theme in the book of Proverbs that speaks to the wisdom of getting the multitude of counsel. Plans fail for lack of counsel as opposed to, and conversely, when there's safety in the multitude of counsel. In other words, you're making this important decision. You need input and insight, godly counsel, not ungodly counsel. It is so important that we lay it all out and say, okay, here's, because sometimes we can get so emotionally invested in the decision, and it's important to have somebody that can see it from a fresh pair of eyes. So what, what, what do you think? Well, you know, and, and they might bring up something that you never even thought of. You know, I've always regretted rushing into a decision without seeking counsel. And conversely, I've never regretted taking my time, getting counsel, seeking advice. And by the way, seeking advice requires a tremendous amount of humility. Being able to humble oneself and say, you know, I, I really need some input on this. I'm about to make this decision, and I really need some good counsel. Proverbs is a book of action. The sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about, but they inspire you to act upon what you've read. As you continue to study this book with Pastor J.D., approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully, asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study. Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com, and clicking on Contact under the About tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. 
You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. Are you part of a church? We want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth.